I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. Texas. It has been a wild week to say the least and we're gonna go over a lot of stuff and sports and some memes and a few videos I saw and yeah we're gonna wind this up with a political post I did and occasionally if I glance over it's because the Army Navy game is on and I'm a big fan of both teams. I support them both Yes, I'd rather see Navy win, but it doesn't matter in this game who wins or loses because they're all winners and they will be protecting our great country someday. If you have any questions and comments, you can call in at 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. And if you like my show and what we talk about, all of my books are available on Amazon, jeffdawson.com, or jeffdawsonauthor.site. You can get them there and take you to the links. And most, some of them make some really good Christmas presents, especially if you're in the military and you support the women. I have one poetry book that is especially written just for women who have served in our military forces on the front line and at the home front. And that is called women of war. Okay. Last night, got to start this off with a book review, something I haven't done in a while, but as a avid writer and I love to read this year, I failed miserably. I've only done like 45 books and I try and get through a hundred had dinner at Dunstan's, which if you're in the Dallas area, DFW area, you've never been to Dunstan's Steakhouse on, he has two locations, one on Lover's Lane and one on Harry Hines. It's affordable. It's great family atmosphere, just really good food, good service, and great friends. And some of the friends I've met there, last night we had Patty and Jerry Berry and Doug and Fred and my friend Wes, who, well, we won't talk about Wes, but that's okay. As I have talked with Patty and Jerry, they realized I have a great affinity for World War II. Her father served on the USS Langley. A gentleman by the name of Bill Sholin served on the USS Wren. Now, these are destroyers. This is World War II. Bill Sholin wrote a book, Sacrificial Lambs, and I had never heard of it. I had never seen it. But if you are a World War II fan and you want to see what true sacrifice was all about on the naval side, it puts Pearl Harbor to shame. It puts the Battle of Midway to shame. What this book is about is, as we got closer to mainland Japan, 
Starting in the Philippines, the Japanese started testing with what they called their divine win, or in our term, kamikaze. When we got to Iwo Jima, it got a little worse because General on, 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 uh, I'm probably not going to say his name right. On Sinsley, I believe, decided he could spare a plane or five planes for American shipping. And he did the math and he had enough planes that if they were successful, they could eliminate probably 75% of our fleet, even at our maximum production. They could raise more havoc on the U.S. Navy than any power ever had seen. So the book focuses on what they called a picket line. And this was Captain Musburger's idea. As the ships were getting pelted just day in and day out, even with a carrier air protection over the fleet, it wasn't enough. So he decided... (coughs) when we invaded Okinawa, he needs a picket line. And he chose the fastest, most maneuverable ships that the Navy had, the destroyers, the destroyer escorts, no PT boats. And these brave men were sent out as literally sacrificial lambs to intercept the waves of kamikaze planes that were coming to decimate our fleet, take out the LCTs, LSIs, transports. It doesn't matter. Anything was fair game. And these men stood their ground in the face of death, literally the face of death. And there's a picture. It it was just amazing. The photographer took it as this plane was maybe 100 feet at the maximum from the Yorktown just before I believe the caption said the wing fell off and you can see the gunners in their mounts shooting at this plane. No one is leaving. And, and the, the, the damage that was wrecked upon these ships is just phenomenal. The pictures were great. Mike, I cannot say enough and thank them enough for letting me read this, loaning me this book that I returned last night. It was just, devastating what was even more disturbing was as you read about every ship he bill Sholin catalogs every ship that was hit by a kamikaze destroyer escort destroyer lct cruiser light cruiser battleship aircraft carriers all of them what did the workers at these dockyards think when these ships came back from the Pacific War. I cannot imagine the look on their faces as these burnt, battered, bloodied wrecks were pulled in to ports to either be rebuilt or scrapped. I mean, the the pictures in the book were phenomenal. But So if you've never read that book, Sacrificial Lambs by Bill Sholin, I highly recommend it. And it's it, it reminded me of this was our Stalingrad. It just didn't end. And thousands of American sailors died protecting the bulk of our massive fleet and sacrificed themselves so that others would live. And they knew it. And that's what was so great about the stories 
that he handled. They all knew what they were in for, but they didn't shirk from their duties. And my hat is off to every one of them. So, yes, I am pulling for Navy today. Okay. Jerry, Bear, Jerry and Patty, thank you very much for letting me read that book. That was a true gift. All right. Let's see. Sports. A while back, I talked about OSU when they were number six and that they were overrated and it was a joke. Well, yeah, even I'm an, though I'm an OSU supporter, it was, they are now ranked 22nd, which is where they belong. But I heard yesterday that AT&T Stadium, Jerry Jones World, what an idiot, is possibly going to host the Rose Bowl. Well, you know, this year, I really don't care. And the reason is, what 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 are they playing for this year? What type of championship are we going to have? I mean, right now, Alabama and Notre Dame are one and two. They have played a full season. Okay, well, let's just bypass all the crap and let them play like we used to before we had the bold championship series garbage, the BCS. They're the two best right now. Just let them play because Ohio state who is ranked number four is five and oh, they haven't played anybody. USC is number 15th. They're four and oh, they haven't played anybody. And Colorado who, when I was watching earlier today was losing to Utah is 4-0, and they're ranked number 21. So they're one ahead of OSU, and they have played four fewer games. What type of crap is that? And, th- and that's all it is. It's just ridiculous. You don't play a full season. I'm sorry we have COVID. I'm sorry that you didn't play a full season. But let's remember, the uh, Big Ten didn't want to play. And if you go to my YouTube channel, Director59, I have a video on this where I compare how much money the universities bring in and how much the football program money, how much football money comes into the program. And that was really eye-opening. I'm not going to go through those stats, but you look at that and it's like, oh, my God, the fo- if it weren't for the football teams, all these Division One schools would be broke. Yeah, figure that one out. So that's, that's it for college football. I mean, I just can't say anything to get excited about. And things not to get excited about is the Texas Rangers. I am a baseball fan. That is the only sport that I could walk, chew gum, talk, and not trip. Any other sport? Yeah, that was kind of pathetic. I wasn't bad at football. I didn't play organized, just backyard stuff. But uh, baseball, I was actually good at. I found something where I could chew gum and walk and talk and not fall over and look like an idiot. I wish I could say the same about Texas Rangers. John Daniels isn't the general manager anymore. 
that should cause great excitement. No, he's now the president of the Texas Rangers, so it means he's still involved. They hired Chris Davis. And Chris Davis had a he he was a journeyman player. That's let's just get down to it. And then he went into the home office, not in the home office, but he's been with the MLB office. And I read all of his qualifications, was just shaking my head, go, well. So he's been involved in all these different programs. Well, which is the one that he excels at? One of my friends, Wes Ford, said, well, probably analytics. Yeah, that probably wouldn't surprise me because the Rangers have 50 people on the payroll in their analytics. I guess that's why they got rid of Miner and Lynn. And I guess that's why 13 of their starters last year were one-year contracts and they've expired. This team. I'm going to hold my reservations and my expectations until they come out of spring training. But right now, I don't see a starting lineup. Kiner Falefa, who won a gold glove in the shortened season, has been moved to short, along with, I think, Danny Santana. So who's going to play third? Well, if you remember last year, they signed Frazier to a one-year contract to play third, and they put him to first because Gallo and Guzman couldn't figure it out. And then they put Gallo in center, and Guzman went down. Then he came up, went down. Then he came up, and I understand he had an injury or two, but it was just like a ping-pong ball. And a catcher, God knows who they're going to put out this year. We had Torino's one-year contract. Mathis, his contract's up. And Trevino. Trevino has been there. This, I think, last year was his third year, and they still can't figure out who their starting catcher is, and they brought another kid up from the minors. But remember, we didn't have minor league play last year, so I don't know what these guys were doing in between. And he was a big white kid. I mean, good Lord, he was a giant. Kind of reminded me of Boog Powell. For those of us that are in our 60s or over, remember, I mean, this was a big man but he's too big to be a catcher. I mean, yeah, if you slid into home back in the day and hit him, you'd bounce off and wind up back at third base. And that's how stout he is. But he just wasn't lighting it up behind the mound. He just, it just wasn't happening. But overall, is Chu going to be back? Well, he hasn't decided yet. Yet, Odor is still on the list, which Patty and I were discussing that last night. And she goes, I just love Odor. And I go, why? Because he beat the hell out of Batista. Well, yeah, those of us that have watched enough baseball remember when Batista from the Blue Jays slid into second and he and Odor had words. And the next thing he knew, man, he got a and he just got clocked in the right, in the left jaw. He didn't know what to think about that. And, you know, and that was the first real fight I'd seen in baseball where somebody actually connected with a punch and they didn't look like a bunch of girls out there slapping each other. So that's what gave Rugnit his, I guess his, uh, damn, I can't think of the word. Uh, it's right there, but. He was horrible at the plate. 
He struggled all year. He struggled last year, and his defense has been suspect. So I don't know what the Rangers are going to put on the field this year. But, yeah, Chris Davis is the new general manager. But he's still got a boss, John Daniels. And I'll be honest, if they don't get rid of these, of trying to use metrics to analyze every damn player that they sign, this team is just going to, they're just going to collapse. Because metrics and analytics don't win games. I loved what Jim Leland said one year. They go, well, Jim, do you do pitch counts? No. Well, how do you know when a player's about to run out of steam by watching him? What a novel idea. Well, and the reporters were just stumped. What do you mean watching him? I've been a coach. I've been an umpire. And I know exactly what he's talking about. You can see. All you got to do is watch your pitcher. You don't need to have the little clicker one, two, three, four, five. Because if you hit five and the uh, offense has hit five home runs, you don't need to go to six. It's time to pull them. Yet, if you get up to 50 and you're in the fifth inning and there's no score, I don't need to see that either. My pitcher's doing fine. I loved Jim Leland when he managed the Tigers. I really didn't. He was good at the Marlins. He was good at the Pirates. He was what baseball needs is an old school manager. And that's what the Rangers are going to have to fall back on. Because sooner or later, they're going to realize, well, analytics is nice. I mean, Billy Bean, who came up with this or implemented the system with the Oakland A's, Due to salary constraints, it has a purpose, but it is not the game. The game is still nine men taking the field and playing their position. Dumbasses. I can't see that on a computer screen. I can't see that from stats. I actually have to sit there and watch and see them perform. That's where the game is decided, between those white lines. Not in a computer, not in a focus group, not in a room where there's 50 people that are probably way overpaid. And by the product that we've seen with the Rangers of late, it sure the hell ain't working. Okay. I love baseball. But I do not like analytics. I do like stats. I'm the old RBI, stolen bases, batting average, home runs, doubles, triples. That's what I'm focused on. I don't give a damn about whip or anything else that they keep coming up with. On I'm still waiting for the toilet paper stat. How many sheets do they use before the game? You know, that's how ridiculous it's getting. <coughs> Excuse me. Just nuts. Because if you don't get back to the game, 
and, and it's kind of like the Bond movies. If you've watched any of the documentaries on the James Bond films, they always talked about when the franchise started losing its way, what did they do? They went back to the basics, which at the time was Casino Royale. And then they started over. They tore it down and they rebuilt. I don't see the Rangers tearing anything down, and I really don't see them rebuilding anything. And I hate to say that also goes for my Detroit Tigers. I can only hope for the best for them next year. I've been following them since 68 when they beat the Cardinals. God, what, those were just phenomenal teams. I mean, go look at the lineups of the Cardinals of 68 and the Tigers of 68. I mean, just an all-star cast. It was just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Okay. I just love my baseball. But I also like watching good baseball. And we don't always see that. Okay, let's talk about a little video. And I'm sure some of you saw it. The video up in Northridge Hill. And I believe that was Indiana. No, Illinois. And the Santa that told the little four-year-old, you can't have a Nerf gun this year. But you can have a bicycle and you can have Legos or you can have cars and trucks, but you don't get a Nerf gun. Your daddy will have to buy it. What the hell? Talk about a Santa that needed to be bitch slapped. Telling a four-year-old, you don't need a Nerf gun. Oh, no, little Johnny, you can't have any guns this year. Well... Guess what? When the, I believe it was the mall saw what this Santa did, and I sure hope they fired his ass. They sent another Santa. They were able to identify the family. They got the phone number, and they sent a Santa over with a Nerf gun. That was the right thing to do. You don't tell a four-year-old. No, your dad needs to buy that. You're Santa, you dumbass. Don't you understand what your job is there? You're supposed to make the kids feel good. Of course, I'm sure he was a liberal. Oh, no. Nerf guns will hurt you. My God, my kids had Nerf guns. And they had a blast with them. But they knew they weren't real, and they knew they wouldn't kill Bambi. Dumbass. I just don't get that, but I am glad that that issue was resolved and the boy did get his Nerf gun and he was very thankful, but I mean, you know, it's one thing to be a liberalism, but it's when it starts infecting a San, someone portraying Santa Claus at a mall, and that's just going too far. I guess they're going to have to start when they interview these gentlemen for the position, are you a liberal or conservative? Do you believe in the second amendment or not? Really? Is that what we're coming down to? Well, apparently in Illinois, that is what it is. 
Good Lord. Some days I just wonder. Okay. Let's talk about MEMS for a minute. We see them every day and probably half of them are political. And I don't care if you're on the left or if you're on the right, but if you're going to post something, especially if it has a historical background to it that can be checked, make sure it's right. Is that asking too much? I don't know how many of these I have gone through in the last, I don't know, five or six years, either side, this is bullshit, this is bull- This is wrong, this is wrong, this is not true, this is not what they said, and th- there was a current one about a ruling in 1866 uh, on a case in Michigan, and it was um, Milligan. 7 U.S. 52, it looks like. So you had the case at the top, the year. Okay, well, let's see. Let's look that up. And I looked it up, and what the mem said wasn't even close. I mean, it wasn't even close to what the actual case was about. So... I wrote back and said, hey, this is not true. Okay. Well, then here comes someone else on the post. Well, how do you know what's not true? Where do you get your opinions? Then what was the case all about? And I'm like, really? Well, guess what? I took the time to research it and look it up. Did you? Haven't heard anything back on that. Copy and paste, copy and paste is not educating anybody if it is bad information. It's not that difficult of a concept concept to grasp, is it? I didn't think it was. Maybe it's because I'm a novel historian and I love to research things and I love to get my facts right and I love to pull my head out so at times I actually know what the hell I'm talking about. That's kind of important i think but to just post something that is totally irrelevant and you haven't taken the time to do a little research and yet you keep passing it on i'm sorry that that's being lazy it takes the same amount of time to research a mem in question as it does to ooh share Share, hit that share, hit that share button, hit that share button. And like I said, this goes to both sides, not just one. I see it all the time. Like the current one that has the most deaths in America, the top 10 death days in America. And it shows Pearl Harbor and it shows 9-11. And I think there's another one in there. But it doesn't show Gettysburg, Antietam. Antietam was one of the days in there. But it doesn't show Gettysburg. 50,000 men died in three days. You think that's a little more than 26 or 2,700 a day? Yeah, I think so. But it's just one of those (coughs) issues where, oh, well, that supports my position, so I'm going to post it. 
make sure your position's correct. And tomorrow I will verify all these numbers when I do my weekly COVID update just to see what's going on in each state. I have heard, if you remember, Andrew Como wrote a book about leadership in crisis or some crap title like that. And he actually came on TV and told everybody that come to New York, we know how to beat it. We got it licked. And as I understand, they are having the biggest explosion of any state right now. Now, I could be wrong on that. And if I am, I will recant that. But I will see that tomorrow when I go through John Hopkins and start tabulating all the numbers for the states, for the states that are leading. I mean, I, yeah, I do spreadsheets. What a sh novel idea. I actually do spreadsheets. And I'm going to get to that in a minute on this politics. I took the time to build up a spreadsheet just to see what's going on in each state. And there, I had the first six states that really got hit hard and their percentages. Then I set Texas and Florida by themselves because there for a while, not much was going on, but COVID grabbed hold of both states, but I tracked them separately. And then I look at like the top, I think 15 countries, that we're having cases and I look at their population and I look at their death count and I see what the percentage is. So basically mortality per population. And the last time I checked it uh, last week, the U S was, I believe number five and accounts for 18.23% deaths in the world. Well, if we account for 18.23%, what does that say about all the other countries? but you don't see those countries standing up and screaming about their leadership like you do here in the U.S. I've never seen such crap in my life. Everything is Trump's fault. Everything. I have never, I understand people don't like the man. I understand the left hates him, but everything. Well, hell, based on that, then I guess, FDR was responsible for all the Americans that died during the Battle of the Bulge, and Harry Truman was responsible for all the men that died at Okinawa. I mean, that, that's the analogy. That's it right there. Well, then that means LBJ is responsible for everyone, male and female, that died in Vietnam. That, that's been what we have seen for the last four years. I wonder just how the press is going to handle the next four with Biden. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be, we'll, we'll know next week when the electoral college meets and cast their votes. Okay. Well, let's see. Let's see how hard the press is on Joe and Kamala. And I guarantee you it's going to be gloves just kid gloves. If Joe doesn't do an interview for six weeks, they won't harass him over it. If Trump doesn't do one every other day, oh, well, he's hiding out. He doesn't want to talk to us anymore. I guess we got the best of him. You've seen this since the election. If Donald didn't come out, well, the press just had a field day and made up 
all of these wild accusations and lies and crap about why he was. He just doesn't want to talk to us anymore. I wouldn't want to talk to you sons of bitches either. Because you've never talked to him. You don't interview him. All you do is lambast him and try and lay traps every time. And I've seen them interview Joe and Nancy. What a joke. Nancy just gets all right. I'm just not going to answer that question. Well, shut the hell up. You're a representative. We're not asking what you want to do. We are telling you it is time to answer the question. Ask the question. And then she just walks off. And you don't hear all these cat calls and all this hooting and hollering from the press pool, do you? No, it gets real quiet because she walks off. Trump walks off and it sounds like a herd of elephants are chasing him down. This has been appalling, to say the least. Okay. That's just getting me worked up because this has been a really good week and it's been a bad week, but because it, it's, I, I try and stay upbeat. Well, a couple of days ago, I turned on CNN. Don't anybody shoot me because I try and get a perspective. And one thing I've noticed about the, uh, female anchors on CNN. They're either constipated or on or PMSing all the time. I've never seen such an unhappy group of people in my life. I mean, if you look at Fox, they're at least they smile, even though I'm not a fan of hardly any of them, but they smile and actually have a personality. Well, I'm, not a Laura Ingram fan because every time she talks, I think Willie Nelson's singing a song or something. Just, I can't even imitate that voice, but you know, the left would call them bubbling bimbo, bubbling blonde bimbos, which at times, yeah, that's true, but at least they got a personality and it doesn't look like they crapped in their pants or something. They're trying to project, some sense of being a human, but I look at these CNN gals and it's like, what is your problem? You just not get laid lately or something. I don't understand it. Okay. But when I was watching them, they in their, oh, and I'll try and keep the adjectives to a minimum because that really turns me off. When I read an article, <coughs> And especially when it's about Trump and you can tell exactly where the article's going because the first few sentences will just be filled with all of these hateful adjectives. And it's like, this is not an article. This is another bullshit opinion from someone who hates Trump. And I, I don't know how many that I just wouldn't read because that's how it started out. Well, I already know where this is going. And yeah, that goes for some conservative sites too. If you've got to start your lead sentences of knocking down that opponent and it's just dripping with venom from the pen, why would I waste my time? I already know where you're going with this. I don't want that. I want you to actually give me 
an honest, impartial, enlightening article. And I do usually get that from Red State. Every once in a while, a writer will start seeping in their contempt. Okay, done. Not what? Not reading it. Not moving on. Hang on. I got to get another water. Okay. So just, you know, unbiased reporting really needs to come back. Gee, that's kind of like baseball. We need to get back to playing the game of baseball and not looking at the analytics and the computers. We need to get back to the basics. What a novel idea. Okay. CNN was not, it was like their first or second show in the morning. I don't even remember. It's like that eight or nine o'clock hour. And they were talking about the Republicans complaining about the presidential election. Well, they're not complaining about the representatives or the senators. And I got to thinking, you know, that's true. And I actually pondered about four weeks ago of looking at a comparison to see, well, just how does it shake out of the votes cast for the presidential race versus the House races versus the Senate races? Now, granted, we didn't have Senate races in every state. And I thought, you know, I'm going to sit down and see if I can put some numbers to this. Now, you can go to my personal Facebook page, Jeff Dawson, and I've got it there. I can't post the spreadsheet because it's just extremely big. And even if I take a picture of it and post it, you can't see it just doesn't translate well. And that's probably because I'm not that computer literate when it comes to manipulating screens like that. I'm working on it, but I'm not quite there. So. I got to thinking, what does the overall vote, especially in the battle states, look like? The results were rather eye-opening, and unless I've missed it, none of the networks, including Fox, have made mention of this. Now, the first post that I put up was wrong, and I corrected it. And why don't I have a corrected copy in front of me? Okay. But what it came down to is, let's see here. Okay, Arizona on the presidential race, 3.3 million voted. 3.33, 3.54 voted in the Senate. So 20,000 more voted in the Senate race than the presidential race. In the House race, it was 3.268. Now, in some of the other states, like, uh, let's see, fewer votes for House races versus presidential votes were cast. Pennsylvania. 57,000, Wisconsin, 72, Michigan in the Senate, 77, 
the House 145, and Nevada 62. Now, when you now this stat was really eye-opening. The percentage of voters that are registered that voted, Georgia 65, Pennsylvania 88, Wisconsin 88, Arizona 78, Michigan 68, and Nevada 86. That's a unbelievable amount of people voting. 88, 88, and 86 in three states. Now, on the outside, looking in, that is a great thing for democracy. I don't disagree with that. That means people are engaged. But when you look at it historically, we've never hit these type of numbers. Is that room to question the voter turnout? Well, you can look at both sides. You can say yes and you can say no. One, it's a great thing that people are that involved in our political process. Or on the other side, what are the chances of that many people voting in those states? I don't know. I mean, we're talking 152 million votes. I believe that's where we're at. We're cast this year <clears throat> versus 122 in 16. Does that not open an eye? Why? Would be a normal question. And as a journalist, and I'm going to get into this in a minute, I would want to see why. I'm just not going to raise the flag and say, well, look at that. I think that's great. I want to make sure that this is right. Did that many people really come out and vote this year? And did, in in Georgia, which, let let me see what I had in Georgia there. 4.935 million people voted for the president. And it was about, now they had two Senate races. And this is where my initial post was wrong because I put down that, when you added up the Senate races, you came up with 7.727 million votes cast. And I was scratching my head and I was scratching my ass going, well, there's only 7.6 million registered voters in Georgia. And I had people come on that, you know, they were questioning this, but nobody pointed it out except one. His name is Wes Jones. And he goes, basically, hey, he's stupid. There were two Senate elections. There were two special runoffs in Georgia. It's like, well, duh. I just wasn't thinking when I did it. So I re- said, okay, that's a good catch. Now that makes sense. But in one of them, in one of the elections, 4.9 million voted. And then in the other 
special election. It was like 4.2. Well, why is there a $700,000, 700,000 difference in the count? Because I looked, okay, every county got to vote. It just seemed really odd. And Georgia is the one, you know, we saw the videos of the chicanery that was going on that the Supreme Court wasn't going to hear. the, And that didn't surprise me. The Supreme Court bailed. Hell, they bailed during Obamacare. Remember that? If you listen to the left, over the summer, they were talking about, well, they've been trying to get rid of Obamacare, and they took it to the Supreme Court. No, what they took to the Supreme Court back in the day was the penalty for not carrying insurance. And was that constitutional? And the Supreme Court basically said, not our problem. You figure it out. And it was still in place until Trump signed that executive order. Was that a year ago, two years ago, that eliminated the penalty for not carrying health insurance? I just wish people would get their shit together. Okay. So I posted these numbers, and it's also on my blog at LLD, LLDenterprises.com, LDDJenterprises.com. And you see the information there. But what it came down to was, my question is this, did people really only vote for the future president and nothing else? We won't know until a forensic analysis of all votes is performed by each state. That would entail matching voter rolls to signatures, proof of residence, and valid identifications of U.S. citizenship. Those are some novel ideas, aren't they? <coughs> I am not in favor of disenfranchising millions of votes as the MSM keeps spouting. But I am in favor of eliminating those that were not properly filled out, not signed, no proof of residency, etc. Boy, and I lit a firestorm on this one, of which I'm going to get to. And I threw in there, now before my liberal associates blow a gasket and fire back with, we won, deal with it. I asked them to look at the numbers, especially Georgia, with an open mind and tell me how that math adds up. Quote Artie Johnson, very interesting. Artie Johnson, for those of us, those of you that aren't as old, aren't 60 or over, was a character on a show called Laugh-In, and he would wear a German helmet with his little John Denver glasses, and he'd be behind a little bush smoking a cigarette, and he'd just pop out and go, very interesting, which was in line with uh, Sergeant Schultz. John Banner played him on Hogan's Heroes when he say, I know nothing. And I have heard a lot of that lately of I know nothing or I don't want to see anything and I don't want to hear it. Kind of like those three monkeys, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Well, when I posted this, I got some good feedback. People were looking at it. They were breaking down the numbers. That doesn't mean they agreed with what I wrote, which was great. You don't have to agree with it. And then I got a comment. This one gentleman, 
eloquently stated his position on free, fair, verified elections, making sure they're secure. And here comes a liberal and called him out. Now, I monitor my de- the debates that go on my page, not on anyone else's. It's not my business. And I won't go on anyone else's unless I think, okay, they might need a little help in this argument. Well, this happened on my post. And before it was all said and done, within three posts, the liberal called the conservative a fascist, fool, un-American. That pissed me off. And I've known this guy since high school. But I stated very eloquently, shut the hell up. I was civil. I try and be civil on my post because cussing, jumping up and down, throwing a little tantrum serves no purpose. But I was really pushed this morning when that comment was made that if you don't accept the election as it is, and you don't accept the numbers the way they are, you are a fascist, foolish, un-American. You can kiss my goat-smelling ass. You don't put that shit on my page. and I, Yeah, that really pissed me off. But what it also woke up is, have you seen your conservative post lately? Since the Supreme Court agreed not to hear the Texas case, the Republicans and the conservatives are starting to roll. They're starting to roll over. There are two Senate elections in Georgia coming up. The party is not over by a long shot. And this is what our representatives have been so good at for years is rolling over. No, this is not the time to roll over. This is the time to stand and stay strong and keep that backbone that Trump stuck up the RNC's rear end. You know, personally, I don't like him, and I have stated this time and time again, but his policies have been great for this country. That is a given. Look up his accomplishments. I'm not going to do it for you. Do it yourself. But this is the time to stand strong. My God, for the last four years, we have been berated and beaten. We've been called deplorable, despicable, disgusting, you name it. Every liberal media source, every liberal news outlet, your liberal friends have called you thugs, thieves, racist, bad human beings because you supported a man who stood up for America. I'll be damned if we go back to this shit that we did with the last eight years of Obama. This is the time to stand strong. I will not be belittled. I will not be silenced. And I'll not sit back and take it without Vaseline. 
We cannot do that. And the only way to stop it is you want investigations, get off your ass, get on your computer, get on your phone and start flooding your representatives and your senators demanding justice. Demanding the elections in your state be fixed if you don't think it was a fair count. The the federal government is not going to step in and do that. It is up to the states to fix the crap, okay? That's why the Supreme Court didn't get into this. I mean, it was a huge hot potato. But if we sit back and say, okay, we lost, I understand that. But we do not give up the fight. That would be like FDR when the Germans launched the Battle of the Bulge and Eisenhower and Montgomery. Oh, the Germans just kicked our ass. We need to go home. We need to throw in the towel. No, that's not what we do. Oh, well, the Japanese just wiped out Pearl Harbor and we lost most of our fleet. I guess we'll just raise a white flag and say we surrender no we're not going to do that we are not neville chamberlain this is not the united kingdom we're not going to walk around with a piece of paper that says we have peace in our time we don't have peace in our time there is a lot at stake here and it is your country i don't care if you're on the right or on the left this is your country this is what the men who died in World War II and Korea and Vietnam and Afghanistan and Iraq, they fought for. They did not fight to be bulldozed by, I love the liberals' term, bullying, because that's exactly what they're doing. They blame Trump for it, and now they're doing it. It is time to stand up. It is time to stand strong. And this is not a time to back down and say, oh, okay, it'll be all right. It won't be. Because if you don't take a stand, no one's going to do it for you. You get on the phone, you get on your computer, and you start flooding your representatives that you want justice, and you want Biden looked into, and you want all the corruption, right or left, you want it looked into, and you want it, and you want it done now, not in another two to four years. Well, I feel a little better that I got that off my chest. It has been a fun hour. I hope you all have a great coming up week and aren't completely covered up in snow. (coughs) So I'm going to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I believe I'll be back on the 24th. And until then, stay safe and be good. We're out. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com, websites, LDDJ Enterprises, and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at JeffDawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.